whatever you do in life, don't listen to people that hate it. Find the people that love it and ask them your questions. Everything is possible. Just hustle. Just hustle. The Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, where we keep it real, a state entrepreneurship wisdom. Learn to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. Here's your host, Billy the Kid, a.k.a. Billionaire. Everything is possible, just hustle, just hustle. Everything is possible, just hustle. Welcome to the Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, baby, where you're going to learn to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. It's your boy, Billy the Kid, a.k.a. Billy K. Sorry, I'm stumbling. I just got done with uh, somebody very important in the Lincoln Investors community. I'll I'll give you that here in a few. Um, But... uh, and sorry, I'm still thinking of, you know, all the information he provided. I mean, it's just awesome. And remember, this podcast is for the 3% action takers, baby. We are only talking to the people that take action. And today's story was nothing but action. So I can't wait to dig in. If you're in the 97%, this podcast is not for you. So do not hit play. We are bringing real-time millionaires into the show for you to listen to their habits. How did they build their empire? Um, So if you're not ready to take your life to the next level, then don't hit play. That's just how we're doing it, baby, plain and simple. Um, But uh, I just want to give you guys a quick update of everything that I got going on. Uh, You know, first of all, let's start with the book. Uh, It's been great. If you want to order an autographed copy, go to BillyTheKid.com. I would truly appreciate it. Uh, the Get Uncomfortable Mastermind Group has been awesome. Uh, we we added a couple more people in there. Um, and it, it's funny because when I started it, I wanted it to be a, a very small group of people so that way uh, everybody can get the help that they need. Uh, whether, you know, we, we have entrepreneurs in there, we have investors, uh, we have people that are just getting started, people that want to take their business to the next level, their real estate stuff to the next level. And it has been nothing but that. Shout out to all the guys. Every single person in there is killing it. And to be honest with you guys, uh, the cost is not very much. And they already got more than what they put in. It, again, it's that vending machine, right? You put a quarter, you get four back. And, and all of them right now can can tell you that uh, it's more than paid off. And um, if you haven't yet, go check out some of the testimonials. Uh, by this episode, I should have a couple more. But uh, I know there's a couple out there already. So check it out. The one-on-ones have sold out. Uh, if you're interested in any of the one-on-ones that I'm doing in any uh, mastermind, if, if if you are interested in joining our mastermind, hit us up at info at billythekid.com. And um, other than that, uh, and shout out to, I want to sh- do a quick shout out because uh, we mentioned a few names in here. Uh, Aaron Impens, shout out to him. Uh, I mean, just massive stuff that he's doing. Josh Nix. Uh, Chase was also mentioned in this episode. Shout out to every single person locally that uh, is just killing the game. Uh, without you guys, there wouldn't be a community. So, uh, and obviously today's uh, guest is Lance. So, shout out to Lance as well. Um, but with that being said, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think if there's any other updates. Um, we the lending company is doing awesome right now. Uh, so if anybody needs any lending, hit me up. It has to be for a real estate transaction. Um, and then I'm dropping more music here soon. Uh, I actually got a couple projects in mind that I'm going to be dropping. Um, but other than that, uh, I think we are ready. So uh, 
I am ready to bring Lance into the episode. Uh, so if you are here to learn about real estate, this is it, man. And I can't wait for you guys to hear all the nugs that he provided today. So shout out to Lance. And here it is, baby. Lance, let's get it. Welcome to the Million Dollar Hustle podcast, baby, where you're going to learn to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. And today I am super excited uh, because it's somebody that has been in the game for a while. It's he's full of wisdom. And uh, Lance, how you doing, man? Thank, thank you. I, I really appreciate for uh, coming on. Hey, Billy, it's great to be with you. Um, I know when you presented at one of the meetings a few months ago, I had a blast listening to you. So I look forward to today. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And and I feel like, uh, you know, that that's a great let, let's start there because uh, every meetup, you're always there. And I feel like there's if there was a like a secret to success or something, I, I feel like that's one of them for you. You're always educating yourself, which uh, I am big on. If you could touch a little bit about that. How come you you didn't stop educating yourself at college or high school? That's a great question, and uh, i i was uh, I was a party dude in college. I didn't do a lot in college um, except partying. So uh, I didn't learn a lot then. So now, as I get older, I think it's more important uh, every single day that I learn more stuff, and I just watch people a lot and see and see what they have going on. and And we have spent quite a bit of money on education. Uh, for real estate. And for me, it's important because, you know, you're dealing with a lot of zeros and you want to make sure you're doing it right as possibly as well as you can every time. Mm, wow. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And uh, before we dive into your story, Lance, uh, we have book of the week. And uh, I would love to hear a book that has changed your life that to this day, you still follow it. Or even something that you recently read that you know that uh, made you a million dollars without just by reading it. Sure. So I got a couple books. The first one I would say is Acres of Diamonds. It's a sales book and it is super small. It's super short. So if you've never been into reading uh, to improve yourself, that's a great book to start with. Um, like I said, it's a it's a short read and uh, it's very it's very helpful. Uh, the second one I would have to say which is one of my favorite books, is called The E-Myth. And uh, what that talks about is moving from uh, the certain um, types in your business. So you start out basically as like a technician where you're doing all the stuff. And a lot of contractors start out there and they never get to that. Uh, then the next step is becoming a manager. And uh, then you start to manage people to do some of the stuff that you were doing. And then the third step is becoming an entrepreneur, where you're basically setting up your systems to manage all of your other things so that then you can turn all of your attention to growing your business instead of working in your business. And that's been a great help to me. That's one of the few books that I've read more than once. So uh, I highly recommend that one. I love that. Uh, and you know, it's funny, Lance, because uh, I read that book, we'll say near 10 years ago. And at that time, it was kind of like the beginning of my journey. And it didn't resonate with me as much because I was focused on probably the first step, right? Where just, just let's start this business. And I was in it. Um, so I love that. And it, you know, 10 years later now, I listened to it again, because I'm like, you know what, let me let me listen to that book again. And now it's like, wow, like, that, that makes so much more sense. If you could touch maybe a little bit of how, 
how did you do that? How, how did you go from, we'll say the manager to now the entrepreneur? Sure. So um, I have a, a business partner and we attend a lot of real estate seminars together. And the, the main group that we're involved with, their main thing is always systems, getting your systems in place. Because ultimately, we all get into business, whether we like, whether we, you know, a lot of us think about the money to start with, but ultimately what you're in it for is to create uh, more time for yourself. Now we all have 24 hours a day, as everybody knows, it's how we spend that time. And if you spend it always working and doing the technician part, you're not going to get very far. Uh, so we we knew right away that uh, even though I have the skills to do a lot of the technician stuff, I didn't want to be stuck there because I'm not really that good at it. So what I like to do is manage it to uh, to the entrepreneurship, which is you find the people that are really good at the management part, and then all you do is direct them. And then what that does is that allows you to go out and free your time. And in our business, my main thing is acquisitions. I, I I'm I like looking for properties and for money to do the deals. And I can't do that if I'm out there swinging a hammer. So the biggest thing for us was to immediately start getting um, crews that we could uh, count on to do the work that we needed to have done um, and then have open communication with them. I know a lot of uh, people in this business will just set the uh, the contractor up and say, okay, go and, and don't bother me. And to me, that seems crazy. You got to be there, you know, every couple of days to check it out, to see where they're at, to make sure everything's going the way you want it to go. And, and if you work with the good contractors, you'll find that they really enjoy that communication. And so they're almost like a mental manager for you if you do it right, because even though they're not your employee, they're getting paid uh, to be successful just like you are. And so that's that's probably one of the main things that 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 we did right away. Mm. Wow, that that uh, talks volumes to me as a contractor myself because there's I've been kind of on both ends where they come in and they're like, "Hey, just get it done," and then you know there's other people that check in and it's like when you just tell them to get it done, it could be as easy as like, "Well, you told me to get it done. This is the paint that I use, for example," and it's like now they want a different color. So I love I love that you touched on that. Um. It, being involved. And, and the thing is that people have this misconception, Lance, that it's like with real estate, for example, flipping houses or whatever, uh, they think that, yeah, like that's freedom, right? Just give this contractor the, the path and you leave it. It's like, I mean, it doesn't kill you to, to be in there even every day for an hour, you know, or not even an hour. It could be a 15 minute stop. I mean, it's still freedom. So I, I love that you touched on that, Lance. Um, and if, if we could back up, so how, what, what was your first uh, deal that you did? Uh, what, what was that like? And, and if you could, since we're kind of in the subject, were you the technician on that one and all, and all four faces of the E-Myth? Um, if you could just give us some, uh, some numbers and everything for the first deal. So my first deal was probably one of the craziest deals I've done to date. Um, I started just looking at houses. I connected up with a realtor up in Omaha and I pretended like I knew what I was doing and and you know he literally came up to me at one of the houses we were looking at and he's like do you know what you're doing I'm like oh yeah I know what I'm doing and he goes good because I get contacted from a lot of people that don't know what they're doing I'm like you know kind of going la 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 so anyway <laughs> anyway so the the very first deal I actually did was a foreclosure lake house so up at Hanson Lakes which is in Bellevue 
just off the river, uh, there was a doctor who had bought a, a, a little lake house on one of the lakes. If you know anything about it, there's about five lakes there. Uh, three of the lakes are boatable lakes and the other two lakes are basically fishing lakes. And I ended up getting, picking up uh, a house on uh, one of the fishing lakes. Did you, did you live in Omaha or how did you end up in Omaha? So I have always lived in Lincoln, but we do deals in Lincoln and Omaha. And what I did back then is, is I just ran through the MLS and I was looking for deals. Uh, I was looking on foreclosure lists because back then foreclosures were everywhere and it's probably going to start again, unfortunately, but that's how it started during a closure. And so I was looking for this bank flow in this stock because you didn't really care about this lake, which you hear all the stories all the time. People are always amazed. They're like, why would somebody who successful in that type of a um, vocation, you know, he's a doctor, so obviously he's doing pretty good, just decide to let a property go. And I don't have the answer. All I know is that it's our job to find those. So uh, we picked this one up for $25,000, uh, went to the bank, said, hey, you know, how much, uh, how much will you loan me on that? And they're like, yeah, we'll loan you the whole amount. So I'm like, this is an easy game. So got in there, started uh, working on it, had a buddy help me. Um, and of course we loved it because it was a lake house, you know? And so for every holiday, Memorial Day, Fourth uh, of July, Labor Day, we had everybody out, family and stuff. And, and the fun part was, is my brother-in-law loves to fish. So he's like, hey, do you care if I keep my canoe out here? I'm like, nah, I don't care. I mean, we're just working on the house. You can come out anytime you want. So throughout the summer, as I was working on it, see him out there fishing and his, his dad. And so that was really cool to see that. But anyway, we started working on it. And, uh, and, and my buddy helped me with the demo and he was pretty good at demo, but that was about it. So then I started uh, doing all the rest of the work myself throughout the year. And when I was about, oh, I don't know, say about 30 days from completing it, I thought to myself, I'm just going to stick a sign out by the road. And oh my gosh, it was crazy. I mean, that day I had people calling me. I had realtors calling me. They're like, well, you work with realtors. I've got people who want to buy this. I'm like, yeah, sure. So one of the realtors that day brought out a couple and they walked through it. And of course they left. And a few minutes later, the realtor called me up and he's like, hey, I want you to pick up all your stuff and leave. We're buying this thing as is. So I'm like, okay. So they gave me uh, what we asked for, which I think was about, I think we had it listed, oh, I'd have to go back, but probably about 82,000 bucks, okay? And I'd put a summer's worth, I didn't really count my time because it was my first one and it was a lake house. So I'm like, you know what, it's cool. And uh, so we sold that thing and they finished it up and, that, and we were off and running. And I thought, oh, this is easy. So I, I put my next deal under contract, called up the bank, say, hey, I need so much money for this deal. And they're like, we're not lending on that. And I'm like, what? Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. They're, we'll give you, uh, I, can't, I can't remember the, the, uh, the figures, but let's just say I picked it up for 50 grand and they were only willing to loan me like 30 on it. And then I'm like, what happened? And they said, they said well, the other one was worth way more than we would ever that the, way more than the money you asked to lend it on. So we lent you the whole amount. And I'm like, aha. 
So then all of a sudden I had to kind of uh, gather myself up, uh, find some money to do the deal and uh, got that deal done. And then away we went. So the first one turned out great and it was easy. And then after that, reality hit me. And, and so I kind of had to dial it back and figure out how this thing worked. <laughs> oh, wow. I love it. Love it. There, that, There's so many uh, lessons in there. Um, and how it, well, here, let, let's, uh, so that way for the people listening and watching, um, how many deals have you done up to this point? Uh, and if you could, cause I know you do some flipping and then you also hold, right? Correct. So if you, you could kind of give us the amount uh, of how many flips you've done up to this point and then how many doors do you own? So when we first started the first couple of years, um, we didn't do a lot of flips and as we go, we're gaining momentum. So um, typically right now we're trying to, our goal is to do about 18 flips a year now. And uh, uh, last year, I believe we did we did 12. So we'll see where we end up this year. Um, our goal last year was 12. So we did that because we also do buy and hold. So we aren't specifically flipping, but we do like to flip to get the money uh, to purchase the buy and hold. That's kind of, you know, a, a basic strategy for anybody, uh, especially if you don't have any money, as if you can flip two or three and just and put that money in the bank or or wherever and then take that money and buy your first rental property, uh, at least put the money down um, and then uh, kind of work with it through or from that point on. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Love it. And then how many are you holding right now? So during this last uh, trend in real estate, we sold off a lot of our single families because they were just going for crazy money. And what we typically do is we go where the market tells us and it told us to sell the single families. So right now we have a few multifamilies. We got a couple single families, um, a couple of them in council bluffs. Uh, I don't think we are holding anything in Omaha right now. And then we have uh, a single family over on ninth and a that my business partners, kids are living in while they're going to school, which is kind of cool. And then I, I've held on to the, uh, uh, the conversions that I have, because um, typically those aren't even worth anything, even a good market. It turns out in this crazy market that we just went through that even conversion deals are worth a lot. But the one that I have, I uh, I really like. I bought it uh, from, a, from a guy who had a whole bunch of properties and I've uh, I held it because it's a it's a threeplex, and we took the rents from like eleven hundred to almost three thousand, mm. you know. And we we picked we picked it up from him for about I think it was eighty two thousand bucks, and he financed mm. the whole deal for us. So there was really no reason to get rid of it um, now that the rents are up at a really wow really solid pace on that. I love Lance. I I, I love the concept that you just touched on you go where the market tells us to go that I feel like that is huge. Uh, and I guess to kind of go along with that, uh, where are we going? Where are we at right now with the market? And, and, uh, you have the crystal ball in your hands right now, Lance, what, what's the next year looks like? Oh, I love that crystal ball. I'd love to have one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So what, I, what I try to do is I go to the meetings that you and I both go to, and I try to ask people, you know, what are you specifically seeing? And then I try to gauge from what everybody else is having happen to what I think is going to happen in the market. And so I, I believe uh, in the next year, as the interest rates continue to rise, 
you're going to see people in the first time home buyer area, which is basically what we deal in, get aced out because all of a sudden their payments on their house are going from 600 bucks to 900 bucks and they don't got it. So they just can't buy it. So we've kind of transitioned a little bit into something that we rarely do, which is second and third homes. So right now we're flipping a home uh, that's going to be a third home, second or third home for somebody. And we've done a few of those, but the timelines are different because you're dealing with much bigger, bigger projects. Uh, and so we just kind of were careful in the past, but we do have a couple of uh, single families that haven't sold and they should have sold easily. They should have sold within hours of when we finished them. So um, that's kind of an indication to me that the people that normally buy those are, are scared. They're scared because mm -hmm. the interest rates are going up. And so they're just holding off. They're going to stay as a renter for a while, which means we should turn those single families into rentals for right now. And then later on, we can either finance somebody through part of it or just sell it outright when the market again changes. So that's kind of mm. what I see for the next year is we're going to be real careful with the the first time home buyer stuff and kind of move into ones where people are a little bit more established and they can get the money. Mm, love it. Love it. Uh, what What's the pros and cons or, or not pros and cons, but what are the differences that you do between a first time home buyer and then somebody who's in the market for a second or third home? And I learned that the hard way, by the way, because the first flip I ever did was literally for a second home buyer. Uh, and, and that's kind of how I learned. I'm like, oh, wait, there's that. So if you could uh, give us some some differences that you do when you're working with those. Yeah, sure. So uh, first time home buyer houses um, are typically going to sell for under 200K in Lincoln, Nebraska. So what we do is when we buy them, as we still try to buy them right and give them that extra bling that you can't find anywhere else uh, to sell them fast. But typically what you'll do is you'll have a lower end appliance package. So you may not go with stainless steel. You may with, go with all white or all black. You may, instead of going with hard surface countertops, go with a nice laminate, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and there's some great ones out there. You know, when when I was little, they used to be like like my parents put orange in their house, you know, for the countertops. And you're like, oh, my <laughs> gosh, this is it's crazy. It's gross. But now they got some real decent stuff. Uh, another thing is, is you do less tile and more carpet for the lower end because carpet's a little less expensive to do. Um, what are some other things you may not, uh, you may not have the size of a bathroom or whatever, whereas the higher end ones, you have to go with a little bit nicer stuff because people have already lived in a first time home buyer house. And the reason they're buying their second home is they want more space. They want a nicer finish, uh, and they want to be in a better neighborhood. So those are the three main things that we do is we put in maybe hard surface countertops. We do more. LTV throughout the house and maybe carpet in just the bedrooms, um, especially when people are going into their second home, almost all of them now at this point have pets. And so if you put LTV in, it's a lot better for them than having carpet everywhere uh, or roll vinyl out. You know, those are for for first time home buyers or rentals. I, I typically don't even put roll out vinyl in first time home buyer stuff. I usually use that for like rentals. Mm. So that's kind of a couple of the differences. And of course, you're always going to be hopefully in a, in a nicer neighborhood for those second time home buyers because, you know, they've lived in places where I've lived and they're like, you know, I don't want to live with a next door neighbor who, you know, parties till three in the morning or whatever. I want to live 
you know, with the guy next door who goes to work at the same time I do, and they have a family like I do, so I can get to know them a little bit better and, and just be in a, in a nicer neighborhood. So those are mm. kind of the differences we see. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Love it. That That's definitely great points there. And uh, Lance, my understanding is that uh, you started this Facebook group, right? That uh, we're, we're all part of. Uh, how, how long ago did you start that? So I think we started that about five years ago. I have a kind of an interesting story on that if you want to hear it. Yes, please. Uh, so, so we started out and I'm like, there's not really anything uh, here. So let's start a Facebook group. And so we did that. And I just started inviting the few people that I knew to join. I invited realtors. I invited you know bankers and all that stuff. Say, hey, join our Facebook page. And so it's just grown over time. And now we get... I get multiple uh, requests every day for people who want to join that don't follow the three questions. And if you've joined recently, there's basically three questions that we ask. And there's really only one rule that we have. We I try to stay away from rules and count on everybody to be an adult. Okay. So our main rule is, is you cannot list retail single family homes on our site because there are literally unlimited sites that you can do that on. You can do that on your own site. You can do that on your own Facebook page. You can do that on the MLS. You can do it on Zillow. We just don't want it because all of us investors, there's nothing in it for us. And this is strictly focused on an investor group, on a contractor group, and on bankers who want to lend to people like that. That's kind of what we're shooting for. So um, if people post a single family, it immediately gets taken off as soon as we see it. And then we just send a warning, say, hey, you know, we appreciate you being here, but you can't post that here. Um, And that's kind of how it started. And then then I was interested. uh, Well, this is kind of a different story. So I'll let you kind of tell me at what point you want me to tell it. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. so so then we we decided we were going to start our own real estate investor meeting. And it was really interesting. And that started about the same time. And uh, I just called up, I just posted on the Facebook page and I said, hey, you know, on the second Monday in January, we're going to, we're we're gonna meet at the the I call it the Hooter Scooters here in Lincoln. Are you in Lincoln or Omaha? I can't Lincoln. remember. Lincoln. Okay. So you know the Hooter Scooters that used to be the Hooters down there at like sixty <laughs> yep. and oh? Okay, I call that the Hooter Scooters. So I said, hey, we're just gonna meet. There's no agenda. There's nothing. We're just gonna show up, and uh, and and I posted that on the Facebook page. Well, I get I I get all geared up and ready to go, and my wife's like, where where are you going? And I said, oh, I just scheduled a a real estate investor meeting tonight. And she goes, well, you do know it's the football national championship tonight. It was the, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it was national championship night. And I just look at her and I'm like, oh, crap. You know, Nebraska wasn't playing, so I didn't care. You know, I still watch that kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, no. I said, well, I did schedule it. So I'm just going to show up. If it's me in the coffee machine, that's it. So I show up. And a few people start showing up and a few more people start showing up and a few more people start showing up. And we literally filled the room to capacity in the upstairs. I mean, there were people everywhere. And all I did is I just said, hey, we're just here to meet each other. Get get your cards out, hand them out to each other. There's no agenda. I just want everybody to know that we're going to be doing meetings and uh, 
And that's how that thing started. And it was very fun. And at the same time, I got in a meeting with Aaron Empens. Everybody knows Aaron. And Aaron's like, hey, I'm thinking about starting. I was thinking about starting something like that. I said, oh, well, he's like, can I just basically take over what you started? And I said, I love it because I'm the guy that likes to start stuff. And if you ask my wife, she's like, yeah, but I always have to get somebody else to finish it. <laughs> so Aaron took it over and then he just ran with it. And now Josh Nix has it. And, uh, and, and if you go to that, there's all the people that I, that, that I dreamed of being there, there, you've got people that do hundreds of houses a year. And then you've got people that want to learn how to just get their first wholesale in. And that's exactly what I pictured for the Facebook page and for the Lincoln group. And it's, and it's been very, it's been a great surprise for me. It's been very mm -hmm. nice to see it. So that's, that's love it. Love it. That That's awesome. Love it. Love it. That uh, I'm sure people listening are going to enjoy that uh, the history of it. And um, so with the volume that you're doing Lance, uh, how, what are some, some, we'll say maybe three to five habits that somebody should have if they want to do that volume, you know, 12 to 18 flips a year. Mm -hmm. So habit number one is show up at every meeting you can show up at and network. You would be surprised at the power of networking. I mean, that's how you and I met. You were the speaker at the meeting. I didn't know you before that. And I'm like, wow, I really like this guy. I like what he has to say. And I also like that you had other interests outside that you shared with people. I think that's important for people to see that we like to have fun doing other stuff in addition to uh, what we do in real estate. And when people see you having fun doing stuff and seeing you having fun in real estate, they will naturally want to follow you and, and learn more about what you do. Mm. Uh, the second thing is, is always tell people what you do and always make that the first thing. And what I mean by that is when I started doing real estate investing, I owned two other businesses. Okay. I owned a dry cleaning pickup and delivery service and I owned a hobby game store. Okay. And what I did is I would tell people there, you know, you naturally talk to people, Hey, what do you do? Oh, you know, I, I have a, a a pickup business for, for, uh, for dry cleaning. And then I also do real estate investing and blah, blah, blah. And people were just like, Oh, okay. And I got no response for that. So one day mm -hmm. I got to thinking, I'm like, okay, I'm going to change this up. So what I did is, is when I talked to people, because I just started in real estate, so I didn't want people to think, you know, Oh, you know, he, Oh, let's talk about that because I might not have the answer, which I definitely didn't. So I was kind of scared, you know, I was scared to say that. Well, when I started changing it to, well, I'm a real estate investor and I have a couple other businesses that I also have, that's when things started to change and people started to say, well, tell me about that. And so then I could, that would lead me in to say, this is what we do. This is what we're looking for. And then you always hand them a card and say, if you ever run across anybody who is having trouble making their house payments or they have a bad renter or they inherited a house have them call me because we can buy it fast and get them out of that problem. And that was number two that caused, caused my business to really start moving forward. Mm. Then the third thing is, which is really hard, but you have to make offers all the time. And in order to make offers all the time, you got to be looking all the time and you got to be networking with people and you got to be looking on the MLS and you have to have your marketing strategies out there so that you can get the deals. 
and then find a realtor that will make those offers for you and make sure they know exactly what you're doing. Don't tell them something that you're not. Tell them, look, I'm an investor. I'm going to make be making low offers because I have to fix this thing up. And if you're okay with making a lot of offers for me, then you're my person. If you're not, that's totally fine. I understand that's not your thing, but that's what I need from a realtor. So if you're honest with the realtors, even if they don't want to help you out, when they run across that deal, guess who they call? Mm -hmm. So you always want to be nice to everybody and say, okay, maybe they can't help me today. How can I help them today so that maybe tomorrow they'll help me? Mm. Love it. Love it. And what, what are some ways that, uh, you're doing, you're dealing with realtors? Uh, do you have different realtors or do you just go to the one or how, how do you handle that? So how I work with realtors is if they bring me a deal that we close on, then they get to list it when it's done. So what happens is, is that realtor gets paid on both sides of the transaction and they may not get, get paid a whole lot when I buy it, but they're going to get their decent commission when I sell it. Mm. And I would do that with all realtors. And then what I also do for anything that we find on our own, say, you know, I, I drive by a house and, and, and there's deer running through the yard because it hasn't ever been mowed or whatever. And I, I yeah. call them up and I'm the one that contacts the person. I'm the one that gets the deal under contract. Then I have a realtor that I work with that lists them for us on the, on the backside when we're done. So I pass her a lot of business. And then in turn, she passes me anything that her agency might have. In addition to, we also do commercial. So I'm always on the lookout for commercial. So they always give me heads up on that stuff too. And that's mm -hmm. how I work with agents. Love it. Love it. And uh, Lance, what is a, a work day, quote unquote, looks like for you? What, what, what's your schedule like from the from the morning to the end? So I'm going to probably make a few people like Josh Nick's cringe because mm. I like to roll out of bed about 715. <laughs> shout out to josh Nix, by the way too <laughs> yeah i like to roll out of bed about seven because he, he he's uh, sometimes his story is up like at 3 a.m or something yeah, <laughs> Love yeah. It. oh yeah yeah <laughs> yep and then uh i get my day all planned out uh get my uh breakfast usually i i take my breakfast to go i just make a, a shake or something and off i go and then i start going through the day uh, get all the stuff during, done during the day that I have to deal with, with contractors and banks and things like that during their normal hours. Uh, then in the evening, I come home and uh, uh, sometimes I work till one or two in the morning, just, mm. you know, doing paperwork, looking at deals, if, analyzing deals, because you can, anal if, if you get into the habit of analyzing deals during the day when you should be talking to contractors and talking to people who have houses, then all of a sudden you're not uh, maximizing your time. Mm. All the stuff that you can do on your own, do it after hours. Now my wife is very gracious and she lets me do all that kind of stuff. Um, she, she works from home too. So it's, it's nice for us because we can do stuff whenever we want. But I, that same realtor that I talked about that first got going with me, we would actually do a lot of our talking between midnight and 1 a.m. because he loved to stay up too. Mm. And so we talk about deals that I had, we talk about things that he found and and set up times to meet during, you know, during the regular hours. But any questions that we had, we would do that. And that's what I do with a lot of investors. Uh, like if you and I did a deal, we'd probably start 
I'd probably start communicating with you about eight o'clock and nine o'clock at night until you decided to go to bed. And then I go to bed around two or three. So I usually get maybe four to five to six hours of sleep, which isn't normal, but that's mm-hmm. just how I've kind of always functioned. So that's kind of what my work yeah. day looks like. No, and, and I love that, Lance, because uh, there's this concept that uh, there is out there where it's like you 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 could have three days in one day, which is, you know, for example, with you from seven to we'll say 10 a.m., that's your first day. And then 10 a.m. to one, that's your second day. And then from it's, you know, you could uh, you're breaking it down to even four days from one to five and then five to mid, you know. So I, I love that because you're maximizing your time. And also, uh, I love the concept that you just mentioned of uh, those 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 of you listening um, of basically dealing with the people at their time. So like, obviously the banks, you know, eight, 9am, it's probably the best time to call them before they get into their meetings. And uh, so I love that. that. That's some great bonus uh, 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 enhancements that you just provided to our listeners. Um, and with that being said, Lance, um, if we, what, what's next? Like, uh, what, what, what are you working towards? Uh, what, what are your goals right now? So our goals right now are to probably start acquiring more buy and hold stuff, larger things. Um, we're probably almost done with holding single family stuff and we're looking for multifamily now. Uh, we do have commercial properties and I'm really getting interested more in that. Um, and so I'm going to start doing more networking with commercial realtors and with people that deal with commercial I just really enjoy that. Um, it kind of scares you because it's a it's at least two more zeros than a house. So mm, <laughs> it's always like, mm. yeah, how are we going to do this? And and at that point, you get to partner up with people and see if you can put syndications together and all that fun stuff that people move into. So that's kind of where I'm thinking. Uh, you know, we're doing a little bit of that now, but we're taking baby steps. I kind of want to. Uh, make bigger strides in that area. I feel like it's a, it's a solid area to be playing in. Um, people always say, Oh, well, I think there's too many people flipping houses. And if you ever hear anybody saying that, just shake your head and go, yeah. And then just move on because there's not, there are so many houses in Lincoln, Nebraska that need our help that you're never going to run out of stuff. So just keep working on that. But I think for us, now that that we kind of know what we're doing with that and we're kind of comfortable with that, I think commercial, more commercial is what we're looking for. Mm, love it. Love it. And well, keep me in mind, Lance, because that's kind of what I'm trying to do is that more of the multifamily and stuff. So love that. Love that. Uh, nice. And you, you'd mentioned a little bit about money in there. Uh, what are you doing right now to fund the deals that you have going on? So we do a combination of hard money. We use Josh a lot. We use uh, um, Chase and his group a lot. Uh, There's a couple others that we use. Um, We used Aaron extensively in the past and he did a really good job for us. We appreciated that. But one of the things that I love to do is sit down and talk to people about how they can personally use their finances to, to, to lend to us to do a deal. And those contracts are typically about six months long where they lend to us to do the deal. And then we pay them back once it closes. Uh, and we typically pay five to 8%. And, and when you say 5%, you know, people look at you and they're like, that's not a whole lot. I said in six months, 5% is not a whole lot. That's 10% a year. And if we could flip your money three, if we could turn your money three times in a year, that's 15% return mm. on your money. So if that's not enough for you, 
I guess, continue doing what you're doing. So, so that's kind of what we do. So we, we work with a lot of private money lenders and just use their money to do the deals. So I, I rarely have any of my own money in deals. Mm. We take advantage of, uh, Josh, uh, allowing us to, to use his money and, and, I mean, hard money is expensive, but if you're only in a deal for four to six months and you buy it right, it shouldn't be that much of an issue for you. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what we do with financing. And then if we need to, uh, we'll step in and, and refi stuff out with a bank because mm. banks move a little bit slower than we want to move. And they also have a they want a lot less risk uh, than than then we usually want to want to use, you know, if the bank's only financing 75% and I can go to Josh and it takes them 30 to 45 days to do the deal. And I can go to somebody like Josh and, and he'll fund it in three days at a hundred percent. I mean, that's worth the, what you pay him to do it in my opinion. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, and uh, I kind of started doing some lending too. So your credit is good with me too. So <laughs> yeah, I love podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, and to kind of uh, start getting into uh, more of the mental stuff here, as far as like uh, just overall some wisdom and stuff. Um, if where you're at right now, Lance, if you were to, have to start all over and let, and actually let's go back to when you first started uh would you do the same things you did over again or would you what would be some things that you would change or keep so i would do the same things i did except i would take more risk and try to do it faster mm. when you first get involved it's with any job you know when you first get involved you're typically you know you try to be conform it, you try to follow along and you try to be real careful and make sure you're not making mistakes. In real estate investing, go out and make those mistakes and and, and make them as fast as you possibly can because the faster you make those mistakes, the sooner you'll get gain the knowledge from those mistakes to do it right the next time. And then one of the things that I always tell people to talk to people that have failed miserably and have come back from it, because those, if you can get somebody like that as your mentor, that is gold, you know, and, and, and just learn from those people and say, Hey, you know, how, what do I do next? And, and, but just do it as fast as you possibly can. Don't wait. I mean, I tell the story mm. of how I'd go to the RIA meetings up in Omaha and talk to people and they'd be like, oh, we love what you do. Okay, well, yeah, I'm just starting. Great. The next month I'd go back. So how many offers have you made? And they're like, oh, I I haven't made any offers yet. Well, go out and make an offer. Promise me you'll make an offer. And so you get there the next month. How did your last month go? And they're like, oh, I got my business cards done. Mm. Uh, Okay. Okay. Well, I did business cards in 30 seconds. You know, I, <laughs> I, I went on the internet, I typed in something, I said, send them out and they were out in a week. So, um, and I know it's scary, but just rip that bandaid off and go. And that's probably the main thing I would, I would have changed about what we did. Mm, love it. Wow. That that's uh, very impactful there. I love that. that. That's a great answer. All right, Lance, uh, again, nothing but nugs in this episode. And uh, I know the people listening are going to take so much, uh, the, the, so much already, but 
Uh, I got, I still got a few questions and clearly <laughs> I, I can talk to you a lot. So <laughs> I just right, talked cool. to you for a long time, but uh, unfortunately we have to wrap it up. Uh, yep. I know you got things that you got going on. So uh, with that being said, um, I wrote a book titled The Power of Being Uncomfortable. So the question that I have for you is, what is one way that you go back to that you got uncomfortable and it paid off? So it would have to be when you make an offer on a house and you don't have the money to close on it and you have to find the money. A lot of people will not make an offer because they don't have the money. You know, you just got to make that offer and then figure out how to find the money. You got to network with people. You got to talk to your relatives and say, Hey, I'm buying this house. It's a great deal. Show them. It's a great deal. Just don't tell them, say, this is what I'm buying it for. This is what we're going to do to fix it up. And this is what it's worth. And this is what you're going to make when I close on it. They don't care what you're going to make. You tell them what they're going to make, and that will help you find the money. And that's probably the most uncomfortable position you can put yourself in. Mm, love it. Love it. And Lance, with all the deals that you've done, uh, what's the worst one that you've done as far as like the numbers? So I'm trying to think. Um, we actually have one right now that Josh is financing. That's taken me quite a while to do. And we're going <laughs> to, so the thing with me is I, it, we've never lost any money for our lenders on a deal. Uh, so that's the main thing. But on this particular deal, I've paid a lot to Josh because of, of what I've done, not anything anybody else has done. It's just taken me a while to get this one done. So he and I talked about it the other day and I'm like, you know what, we're going to turn this into an Airbnb if we can't sell it by this date. And so that's probably right now it's the worst one, but I have a feeling that it's going to turn out to be really good because Josh is, he's doing Airbnbs and he's like, I'll help you get this thing set up. So that's mm. probably right now the one. Mm. Love it. Love it. And, uh, if you were, and I'm going to ask you the same questions that we ask every guest here. Uh, if you were to look back at your younger self, uh, what would be one piece of advice that you would give yourself? So the main piece of advice would be to start real estate sooner. You know, mm. I started in my, uh, fifth, uh, probably when I was I'm what, 56. So started right at 50. Um, because when I was little, uh, my, my grandma had a bunch of rentals and my dad and my uncle were in charge of fixing them up and she never paid them. And my dad hated rental properties. And he said, I will never have rental properties. And as a kid, that's impressionable. And I listened to him. Well, mm. whatever you do in life, don't listen to people that hate it. Find the people that love it and ask them your questions. So that's wow. probably my biggest thing. I wish I would have started. I wish I would have bought a mobile home to live in when I was in college instead of paying rent on an apartment. Mm, you know, my wow. dad said, don't buy a mobile home. You'll never be able to get rid of it. Well, now we buy lots of mobile homes. So. <laughs> love it. Wow. That, that's powerful. Uh, I love that. And uh, with the, the next question that I have, uh, so if you if there's like a three-step formula to success, and if you do these three things, you're going to become a millionaire, we'll say, uh, what are the three things that you should do? So you should look for deals you should make offers on the deals and then you should invite people to go along with you on the journey by lending you money or, or hard money or whatever it is to get the deals done. 
Mm, wow. Love it. Love it. And uh, I kind of want to squeeze this question in there, Lance. Uh, what? So you said uh, about 50 years is when you started. Uh, what did you do prior to that? Sure. So um, when we got out of college, my wife and I bought an Amigos franchise and we ran that for a year. That was a lot of work and a lot of hours. We were both putting in 12 to 14 hours a day because we had a smaller one. And in order to keep the uh, um, the employee cost down, I ran the morning shift and she ran the night shift. But it was amazing experience about how to run a business. If you don't know, if you're scared to start your own business, buy a franchise and run it for a few years. You don't have to have it your whole life. You know, just run it and figure out how they do it and then take that information and go on to your next thing. Um, like I said, I, I started a dry cleaning pickup and delivery service. I'm an, uh, a, uh, a partner in a hobby game store, which we're getting ready to celebrate our 20th year of that. So that's been very exciting. But I've always been entrepreneurial. So I've worked jobs that have either had to do with with basically sales or or being a salesman. I mean, I worked for Gallup in their executive interviewing crew, uh, where we would call top executives throughout the country and interview them. Um, I've sold Ketco knives and, and cookware with one of my buddies who is now a very successful banker here in Lincoln. Um, so it's been a lot of that type of stuff. Mm, wow. So you've been kind of just take that. That's why you know a lot. That That's the experience <laughs> right there. Love it. Love it. And Amigos, huh? I, I worked at an Amigos, uh, when I was a teen. So maybe, maybe you were, you were probably, I probably worked for you at one point. <laughs> it could have been, you know, we, uh, what I tell kids about Amigos is, is, is did you take the, the strength finders thing when you first yeah, got there? Yeah. It's the key. It yeah. really is a key. And, and, and I learned that system and I use that not, not like they do, but I, in my mind, I'm always thinking the stuff that they talked about. Okay. Is this person good for that job? Is this person good for this job? And so Amigos is actually a fantastic place for somebody to work, but you have to want to work because there they make everything from scratch, as you know. And if you don't want to work, you're not going to last there. So mm. yeah, mm -hmm. I think it's great for kids to, if you have a kid who's looking for a, a summer job or a part-time job, send them there because they'll, it'll be an advantage for them. Yeah, no, I agree. And the pay is great. And also they have that college program. So, you know, right. Which wrong. I took huge advantage of because I was working at McDonald's and, uh, and, um, my mom knew the owner of the McDonald's in North Platte, which is where I'm originally from. And he said one day, Hey, is your son working at that one downtown? And she's like, yeah, he goes, well, you might want to have him go to a different one because they're closing that one. And mm. so that's how I got to Amigos is I'm like, OK, I've been working at McDonald's since I was 15. I'm in college now. Let's try something different. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the the next question that I have for you, Lance, is if you were to write a book, what would be the theme and title of it? Oh, my goodness. <sighs> Probably the theme for me um, would be something like let people help you. Don't be afraid to ask people to help you with stuff, whether it's giving you advice or helping you to put deals together. And I would probably say if I wrote a book, it would be called something like connections and how to, how to better your, uh, yourself by connecting with people. Mm, love I think it, it's love very it. underrated that people, you know, network with people. I mean, that's how you get stuff done. The, the, the older you get, the more you realize that networking helps you substantially. Mm, yeah. Wow. 
Powerful, powerful. Well, Lance, uh, the last question that I have for you is where can people find you? So, yeah, um, uh, our company is called Tourist Group. So you can go on our website and check us out. Uh, typically, we post a lot of stuff on Facebook, the before and afters. Um, and uh, we also, I do uh, another company called White Knights Properties, and that's more of our commercial arm. I don't do a lot of posting there because we went from house flipping to commercial, and we don't do a lot of posting on that. But you can check that out. And of course, the Lincoln Real Estate Investors page, I'm on there quite a bit. Uh, I love to post. I love to read other people's posts. And I appreciate the that community policing itself. So it's a system that you put together where you're like, look, let's all be adults and do what we're supposed to do on this on this Facebook page. So any of those are great. Or call me up and let's have a coffee sometime and talk about what you want to do and uh, talk about how we can find somebody to help you or if we can help you. So those are a lot of great things to do and show up at the meetings monthly, uh, the Lincoln meeting, the Omaha meeting and uh, get to know everybody there. Mm, boom. Love it. Love it, Lance. Well, once again, thank you, Lance. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, it. It's been a long time coming. Uh, I'm glad that we got it knocked out and, and you you did nothing but deliver great content. So I uh, can't wait to listen to it myself and take notes. So I appreciate it. Well, thanks, Billy. I, I really appreciate you inviting me. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we got a chance to get together and hopefully we can hang out and, and do yeah. some stuff together and do some deals. Well, once <laughs> again, I really appreciate you. You know, you you trusted me to be on your podcast. It's been it's very been very enjoyable. And you ask yeah, same great here. questions and they're really thought provoking. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, love it. Love it. And everybody out there listening, make sure you guys follow Lance and uh, also follow me at Billy the Kid on Instagram and then uh, Facebook as well. And as a matter of fact, if you're listening to this episode, if you could screenshot where, wherever you're listening to it, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts and tag both of us and we'll both reshare it. So that way Lance can get followers, I can get followers and you can get followers. So please do that. Uh, otherwise, subscribe to my YouTube uh, slash Billy the Kid, BillyTheKid.com. Grab a copy of my book and music, whatever else in there. Until next time, baby. Let's get it. Vamos a Always ten toes for what I believe Those minded people mad at me that I'm speaking facts Or, or maybe could it be that I'm getting wrecked Open your mind, gotta open it to receive I'm always ten toes for what I believe